Hey, welcome everybody to On Podcast, the On Microsoft Podcast, where we talk about the latest uh, of the week and the week ahead, uh, at least regarding Microsoft news. I am your ho- host, Kareem Anderson, and I'm here with the world's greatest co-host, Arif Bacchus. And we're going to kind of walk you through uh, a bunch of stuff that's happened that's happened past week and that uh, some things that we're keeping out for this week. So our first topic of the show is another to- another topic that we've constantly been talking about this past month or month and a half, which is Xbox. But it finally happened this week, and Microsoft launched both the Series X and Series X, and uh, we'll be recapping some of the news from the week. And then Kareem, uh, I'll leave the second topic for Kareem because it's uh, close to his heart. Yeah, for all of us jaded anti-Apple people, uh, we'll be diving into... <laughs> Uh, their M1 uh, silicon announcement, uh, their essential Mac on Mac OS on ARM uh, presentation they gave this week, uh, kind of run through some of the hardware that they discussed, um, and kind of see where it stands in position to Windows on ARM. Um, I personally don't think they're on the same trajectory, but who knows? Uh, we'll be talking about that, though. And let's not forget uh, their big operating system launch. They launched a Big Sur on I think it was Thursday, November 12th. So we'll touch on that a bit. I mean, they launched it on Thursday. People really got it Friday. And oh, Saturday. yeah. Let's save <laughs> we'll it for the, for the segment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and then for you people who are here for Windows 10, that is our third topic. There was a lot of Windows 10 news this week, and uh, we'll just recap some of the big Windows 10 stories for you all. Yeah, and then we'll be talking about some stuff uh, in the week ahead. Uh, just kind of looking at our rundown. I mean, there's not going to be a lot uh, we don't foresee. Uh, you know, again, Microsoft could always surprise us, but we're going into holiday season where a lot of Microsoft employees will probably be taking some uh, some dueling time uh, with for family and things like that, or just, you know, break from quarantine work. Uh, so we expect to be uh, a little slower-paced uh, news cycle for the next few weeks. But it's been busy this week, which brings us to our first topic, which is Microsoft's Xbox Series X and Series X. Series X and Series S. <laughs> every week, every that. week, every week, same mistake. <laughs> series X and Series S launch on November 10th. So as we talked about last week, we already reviewed uh, Series X, X Series last week. Uh, our writer, Laurent in France, uh, he... He unboxed the Series S for us, and he found that he was impressed with it. And, of course, we'll have the link in the description. But he pretty much liked the console, and he was impressed by how Microsoft managed to cram so much power inside the Xbox Series S, which isn't significantly bigger than the Xbox One S. And, of course, he said, and he talked about the dimensions and how it's Microsoft's smallest Xbox console ever. And he also talked about pretty much the gate, the unboxing experience, like what's included in the box and what you get in the box and how it's good value for the money. Yeah. Um, there was a lot uh, to be said about uh, the Xbox and its rollout, essentially. Um, we also have some kind of recap news on how others have been faring with the device now that they've had it for a couple of days. Um, we've been seeing and hearing reports uh, on YouTube uh, in previous articles about some failure points for these uh, 
fresh off the press uh, devices, and this goes for both the PS5 and the Xbox. Uh, so far, it seems to be majority of the issues are with the X, but uh, the S seems to be holding its own. But it it ranges the issues range from uh, disk drives not working uh, to the console itself just shutting down. Uh, could be potentially from overheating from some games, uh, which uh, I believe it's. Um, I don't know if it's the Assassin's Creed uh, or if it's Call of Duty. One of the two uh, have issued a statement about sending out a patch uh, that they know that the game itself causes the consoles to overheat uh, and, again, shut down. Uh, so, again, uh, there are some, you know, reports, and it hasn't been necessarily widespread, but, you know, it's uh, early going. So each story has its own, like, you know, life of its own. Uh, about the console, and so just for you know early adopters, people who are just getting the console in, the, in these first couple weeks, be aware of that. Uh, make sure you have your warranties uh, handy and uh, phone calls ready uh, if you do happen to get a device that's defective or experiencing the issues. Well, it's not all bad news for Microsoft. Uh, Microsoft uh, tweeted out that the console launch was the biggest launch in Xbox history. In a tweet, uh, they said, Thank you for supporting the largest launch in Xbox history. In 24 hours, more new consoles sold in more countries than ever before, and we're working with retail to resupply as quickly as possible. That was a tweet from Phil Spencer. Of course, they didn't directly share how many consoles they sold. Uh, I don't think they ever did. They just speak. I don't think they ever will again, to be honest with you. They see pretty adamant about doing uh, user experience uh, and again you know they're in second place uh coming even into this uh generation they're probably still sort of behind but don't expect to see numbers anytime soon and if you've been on twitter or pretty much any facebook or any social media you probably saw the videos going wrong of uh the xbox supposedly being on fire and blowing out smoke. But uh, we do have a message for you guys, which you probably know already. That is fake news because yeah. people, <laughs> I'll let to, Kareem speak for it. To quote a phrase, it is fake news. Uh, like we said, there are legitimate uh, issues going on with the Xbox Series X, but uh, some person took it upon themselves, maybe a handful of people <laughs> who figured out that if you blow vape smoke into your uh, the overhead area of the ventilation sec- uh, section of the xbox series x you can make it look like it's smoking and then record it and kind of go viral uh it was an unfortunate uh story that caught fire uh the xbox team has since uh sent out an issued a warning not to blow vape smoke into their consoles uh to you know go viral uh and of course uh, there also was another thing going around of i think it was a ping pong ball like someone yeah. put the ping pong ball in the middle of the console and they're like, oh, it levitates. It's blowing that much air to make this ping pong ball levitate. But that is also fake news. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it was done with some strings and, uh, you know, they couldn't even afford the CGI to make it look like it was stringless. So, again, um, as you read some of these stories coming out about defects and issues with both consoles, um, make sure to follow up uh, with each one of them. Make sure it uh, doesn't happen to you, uh, and you know, take them for what they are. Uh, there are a lot of there's a lot of money to be made uh, for some people to come up with stories like that. <laughs> and there's also another big Xbox story. I think it's still trending on our site right now. Yeah, this one is isn't the, a good one. 
these brand new consoles, they don't support game streaming on Windows what? 10. What's yeah, up with well, that? This is, this is, yeah, this is dumb. Uh, and this seems to be hopefully a failing of just uh, early launch uh, bugs and things of that nature. It seems that the ability to stream games from your consoles of Windows PC using the Xbox uh, console companion app is not supported for the Xbox Series X or S out of the box, at least as, as of right now. Microsoft hasn't issued any um, statements regarding uh, a potential update that could enable this, but this seems like a pretty big gaffe uh, to our knowledge. Uh, it's something that Microsoft previously discussed, but again, there is no uh, official support page for it yet. And Microsoft hasn't, you know, Nelson hasn't tweeted about it. Nobody's really said anything about this. So, um, yeah, it just seems like a big miss um, that hopefully will be patched soon. It's There's always hope for Microsoft to introduce these things because uh, Xbox OS is always getting updated. Uh, I mean, Xbox insiders are always testing new features, as are Windows insiders in Windows 10. So could be in the works, could be coming. But for now, Microsoft is very quiet about it. Yeah, well, I mean, again, Microsoft is a software company, so I have some faith that this, I mean, this is part of part and parcel of their strategy to commingle Windows 10 and Xbox experiences. So again, to not be able to stream seems a bit odd, especially as xCloud becomes a thing. So again, I expect this to hopefully be done by you know uh, Q2, uh, you know, going into February uh, or March of next year at the latest. So now, why don't you introduce to us about these new Apple Arm? Silicon right. M1 MacBooks. Yeah. Which start um, at $700, by the way, uh, if you include the Mac Mini. Yeah. Um, I was excited for this news, um, not as an Apple fanboy, not as a, as, a, as a Windows fanboy looking to kind of bash Apple. I was excited to finally see if they were going to elaborate more on what they uh, introduced at WWDC this year. Uh, they made a big splash about um, their new Silicon. I know. People have been referring to it as Mac on ARM, but it's really the M1 chip and Apple Silicon. That's the story, not necessarily ARM licensed architecture, because they're doing a whole bunch of custom stuff that you know almost renders the license null and void. There's some things that they've taken from it, but they're not using the full breadth of it um, the same way that uh, smartphones or Windows PCs are doing. Um, so I will jump into this, uh, again, just based on my cursory knowledge of uh, the Mac OS, um, of Windows in general, uh, how ARM is kind of licensed, things like that. But um, you, from what they said, Apple's new devices will be launched. Uh, and this is including their line, which they covered a, a large uh, amount of devices. I didn't expect as many. But the MacBook Air, the 13-inch MacBook Pro, and a Mac Mini will now be powered by this new uh, M1 chip, uh, which is an SOC for uh, Macs. Uh, and, the magic of this thing is that everything is on um, that tiny, what is it, five? Five nanometer chip, yep. It's the, so, yeah. Okay. They're using five nanometers, whereas the the Qualcomm chips, I think the SQ2 and the new Surface Pro X top-end model, which we talked about a, a couple of months back, it's only seven nanometers, so they do have the advantage there. 
Yeah. Um, again, the the magic of, of putting these all, you know, these chips the way they, they're the way they're designed is that they speak to each other because they're all on the same motherboard and they are not having to, you know, this this adds to the speed and efficiency of uh, the reads and writes of, of things happening on the OS, happening on the OS side. So, um, with that being said, Apple came, you know, came with their <laughs> usual grandiose presentation of X amount faster and X amount cooler and X amount, but I mean, and they kept referencing the top in Windows PCs, but they never actually said which one. Which one, yeah. Uh, which is kind of uh, a bit disconcerting because, you know, if, if this were as impressive as it could be, and I'm assuming they've done years of testing, you could have pulled out a Dell, you could have pulled out an, uh, an XPS, uh, a specific configuration, even if it's just an i5 uh, to kind of, you know, blow people's minds, but they just kept using these vague terminologies and fake charts. But the numbers on the big charts did say that they deliver up to three, three, point, uh, three and a half times faster CPU, uh, six times faster GPU performance, and about 15 times faster machine learning uh, capabilities and support, and the battery life of that would be two times longer than what they currently have for Macs. Uh, again, they didn't measure battery life against PCs, but it's kind of a wash because most PCs tend to uh, top out maybe uh, an hour or so shorter of Macs just in general, and that has to do with you know, Windows and uh, specific OEMs and how the software and hardware work with each other. Mac has that advantage. Uh, but I mean, again, these vague numbers we'll have to kind of test. Uh, but there were a couple things, uh, some other things that they were talking about as far as the chip. Uh, it comes with an 8-core CPU, 8-core GPU. Uh, it has, uh, was it, unfiled uh, memory architecture accessible to the entire SOC. Um, and that uh, again, this is Apple's claim that it's the fast uh, that is faster than chips in 98% of PC laptops. They said that about I don't know 15 times during this you know 45 <laughs> minute long presentation. And again, they, and again, they didn't say which specific laptop they were talking about. I mean, it could have been a HP with a Celeron processor for all we know. Well, and again, 98% of PCs out there aren't the ones that you know. I'm assuming our readers and our listeners are using, you know, we use the, uh, I would assume the upper echelon of PCs, things that are costing, you know, upwards of a thousand dollars and more, you know, we're looking at $1,500 purchases. Uh, so these 90% numbers are usually for stuff that you find at like your best buy that are your 700 and lower. And these things are coming with i3s, i5s, but with, you know, four and eight gigabytes of memory. So uh, again, we'll, have to see in day-to-day usage uh, how these vague numbers come up, uh, work out in Apple's favor. Um, the other thing that we were, were privy to was that the new back MacBook Airs are three times faster, this is according to Apple, than the uh, best-selling Windows laptops, and that has nothing to do with percentages, they're just saying the best-selling. And again, that could be, I think numbers-wise, that could be the Pavilion line uh, of, of HP, not even the um uh what is the specter lines those those aren't the best selling those are the nicest ones that we that hp has but i believe they're they still have a pavilion line that sells you know in volume in mass so again that's what some of these references could be um what else do we have about the new chip do you want to jump in also they, they again they did give these wild battery life claims they were like the M1 MacBook Pro has up to 17 hours of wireless web browsing and 20 hours of video playback. And then they also had the M1-powered Mac Mini, 
which is uh, $700. So if you do want an M1 Mac, which I'm pretty sure our diehard Windows fans probably don't want, this is the cheapest way to get one. You can buy a um, M1 Mac, Mac Mini. And they're like, oh, when compared to the best-selling Windows desktop in this price range, the Mac Mini is just one-tenth the size and delivers five times faster performance. I mean, again, this is M1 in the Mac Mini compared to a regular Windows desktop. We don't know what they're comparing it to, but supposedly it's faster. And we did see some, some supposed Geekbench 5 benchmarks out there. And I think... Uh, it was Tom's guide that picked up the piece. I mean, I never like talking Geekbench in my reviews or even in general because the testing is just synthetic. It's not really representative of how you use a laptop or what the chip is really capable of. But apparently the M1 MacBook Air got a Geekbench 5 score of 7,433. And that beats out the XPS 13 score i7 with 5,300 and which scored 5,319. So maybe Apple is telling the truth here, but again, I mean, it's just synthetic benchmarks and we don't know where they're coming from until we actually have one in your hand to open 5 million Safari tabs and push that thing to the limit. Yeah, um, aside from, you know, going over the, you know, decimals and and the, the single digit numbers and scores of that, you know, synthetic benchmarks, um, there was a piece written by Daniel Rubino over at Windows Central, which I'm going to reference uh, in some of the, they're not necessarily criticism, but at least highlighting some of the things that were missing from the presentation that anybody who's curious uh, about this from a Windows perspective might want to consider. Uh, and I think there were five really good points. Uh, one, he mentions that, uh, again, with this presentation, it's new chips but the same hardware. And this is uh, right. kind of indicative of uh, Tim Cook's ability to squeeze the very last cent out of uh, product manufacturing processes. So again, I didn't expect um, Apple to come up with new designs, not yet. Uh, I'm pretty sure by the end of their two-year transition that they've been talking about, we'll start to finally see perhaps the near MacBook Airs, if that's even possible, uh, smaller things like that. But you know, for now, I think what they're going to continue to do is leverage the space in a current MacBook size, even though they don't need it, to either pack in more battery or get the cooling down that they need for these fanless uh, designs that they're coming up with. Um, so that was one thing to keep in mind. So if you're gonna go buy, uh, as an Apple person, if you're gonna go buy a new um, MacBook with this M1 chip, it's gonna be a bit confusing, actually. You won't visually be able to go in and say, I want that new device. It'll be like, does that one have the- Chip uh, I want, yeah. yeah. It's going to sort of be like how we have this issue with AMD and Intel. Intel, right. You go into a Best Buy or you go online now because people are going to stores as much and you have to find out which configuration it is. And even then you have to figure out which of the tiers of the configuration you're going to have. Um, Apple doesn't have you know, an M1.2 or anything just yet. But again, looking visually, you won't be able to tell that this new MacBook Air has an M1 chip unless you ask someone or it's clearly labeled uh, in the website. Um, another one he has, and I think um, this kind of goes to what we've been talking about for the last five or 10 minutes was, we don't know how much faster it is because again, right. their reports and, and um, charts from this presentation were super vague. They didn't have anything, they had a graph, but none of the accesses were marked with any valuable information or notable uh, metrics. Um, we also don't know uh, what, uh, 
you know how how they how efficiently the threading is done uh, on these chips and what happens when you uh, whip up something in the new Rosetta 2 emulator and try and do something else native and how those kind of correspond uh, in your day-to-day -day usage. Um, number three, Daniel points out, and I think this is a real big one, uh, is that there was no mention of 4, uh, 4G, LTE, or 5G, and they just released a phone with all 5G information. Um, and this is part of the ARM license that I was saying that they didn't really take advantage of. Um, it'd be interesting to see why they held back on that. I mean, maybe it's battery performance reasons, but uh, for the last three, four, about three years or so, Microsoft and its partners have been pushing forward with LTE, and I don't believe there's been too great of battery hits for those. I mean, the Pro X has LTE. There are variations of the Surface Pro uh, 7, Surface Pro 6 as well. Uh, and I think even the five that have LTE and um, with LTE enabled, I think the battery difference is a negligible 30 minutes or so. So, um, my, I mean, Apple seems to be holding off on this LTE maybe as a feature set uh, I, or part of the design. I personally, I think it's probably something to do with form factor maybe because I know all these uh, Snapdragon powered uh, Windows laptops they all are pretty much slim and light. I, I think Daniel did point it out. Uh, that's number four on his list, which I think you'll get into next, which is that these, a lot of these LTE and, and Qualcomm and ARM Windows laptops are, are all slim. They're all light. They're all ultra portable. They're all, you can drop it in your bag and go and enjoy your Wi-Fi and your, uh, not, not your Wi-Fi, sorry, your LTE anywhere you go, which is not, uh, which is something maybe Apple probably, I mean, I can't speak for them because I'm not working for them, but I'm just thinking maybe probably something to do with changing the design of these MacBooks. Maybe it's something that that's the reason why they couldn't pack a LTE antenna in there maybe. Uh, I mean, this also goes to, uh, again, our point number four and something else I read, uh, I believe Ed Bott wrote this uh, a little, little ways back about the, market segments for Apple and for uh, Microsoft uh, and its partners concerning Windows ARM. Um, for Microsoft, it's to, f it's to basically transition their uh, apps and software to an ARM uh, architecture, and that's to secure their Linux space, essentially, uh, to make sure that their services are where the customers are at, and the customers right. are increasingly leaving behind uh, x86 and, and things of that nature, um, and so they're you know, basically doing a public experiment with Windows and ARM to make sure their software is ready for it. As for Apple, um, this was a bit of head scratcher we were talking about is before we came on, you know, how does this fit with their confidence in the iPad Pro? Because essentially this, you know, chipset and what they're offering and bringing um, their uh, uh, iOS apps to the Mac through this transition seems to be basically kneecapping iPad Pro. Yeah, it's, yeah. Because what ends up happening is you buy the iPad Pro, you buy the keyboard, you buy the pen, um, and you're at the same prices as this new MacBook Air that basically has all the same apps and a little less of the functionality, you know, not being having, you know, LTE or whatever. But, you know, for people who are, who wanted the apps, 
but needed the form factor, this is what's going to suffice. And now they're not going to buy that iPad Pro. And that vision of, you know, the flexibility of an iPad Pro and moving forward is kind of stunted. Uh, and I'm saying this all to say that maybe keeping LTE to the iPad Pro keeps that, you know, keeps that market like, oh, I, yeah, I need to yeah. go. I need to get the the iPad Pro version of this versus my more stationary um, clamshell laptop. That's a good point. Very, so, very good point. They're they're probably going to drag their feet on that until you know they can cannibalize, which is what Apple's good at that market share themselves. But again, like I said, back to Bob's point. Uh, for anybody looking at the comparisons between, oh, how you know why did it take Microsoft so long to to get Windows on ARM halfway working like it is now uh, to Apple coming out of the gate with this? Just again, keep in mind that there are two different market segments. Uh, Apple's trying to sell hardware, and Microsoft is trying to optimize its apps and they're just providing a platform uh, for OEMs to kind of sell the hardware underneath it. They, to be honest with you, could probably care less about selling an actual Surface Pro X, but it is the flagship device to show you that, you know, businesses can rely on thin clients now and and get and still get the breadth of Microsoft Office, get Azure, get all of these things, but in uh, 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 architecture that works for them. But the fact that Apple is doing ARM, or at least custom M1 ARM silicon, doesn't that really show that, hey, Microsoft is doing something big, which is Daniel's fifth point? Very, and that's the strongest point he's making. And I think this is kind of something we've seen, and you know, for us Windows fans have seen re repeated throughout history between Microsoft and Apple, is that Microsoft leaps out forward with something, gets ridiculed about it, fumbles it, admittedly, <laughs> and then and then maybe five to ten years later, Apple comes out with the same exact thing polished. And people go, ah, oh, that's what they were trying to do. <laughs> and, you know, this is this goes back to the spot watch, which is now, you know, Apple, the Apple Watch, which is amazing. Uh, Windows based tablets, which you have the iPad Pro. I mean, this this history of, you know, them doing it. So back when Microsoft did Windows 8 and they started doing this Windows, uh, Windows uh, I mean, RT. Windows RT and make sure that the apps in Windows like Office ran perfect, you know, ran well on that, but nothing else did. This is sort of what Apple is doing. Apple's claim that their native apps will will excel in this, and anything else will be uh, handled by the Rosetta that they have. Uh, Microsoft didn't have the Rosetta component when they did Windows 8, so it just was Office, and then you had a bunch of apps that didn't work. Um, but the idea of the code base bringing um, the flexibility of the architecture all started with that. And, you know, I, again, it took, what is this now? It came out in 2012, something yeah. like that. Yeah. So we're now eight years into this Windows fumbling with ARM and to see that Apple come knocking, on, come kicking down the door saying this is how it's done. Um, again, as Daniel says, this is, you know, Microsoft's vision and they were, you know, right to think this way. They just have been publicly dropping the ball on it. So uh, let's stop talking about uh, Apple now. Well, we'll stop talking about Apple and its it, its vague numbers and, and stuff like that. But we'll talk about something a little easier to kind of digest for people, which is Windows 10. No, no. Oh, we're going to get to Windows 10, but it's Big Sur. Oh yeah, yeah, Big Sur. Yeah, sorry, you, I, jump, you, I jumped. You tried I jumped it. the gun. <laughs> Yeah, we we uh, tried it. Uh, I downloaded it, and our writer in France, Laurent, also downloaded it. And Apple had some initial troubles rolling out Big Sur. Big I do I do believe some people were hit with early. Uh, they announced that it was rolling out, 
on November 12th, which was Thursday, and they they <laughs> they put it out. You could uh, download it from the App Store, and you could, down, you could see it, and you click download, and it would say three and a half days remaining for download. <laughs> <laughs> and then it it would download, and then all of a sudden you would get a. I tweeted about it. Obviously, you you would get an error code telling you that. Uh, an error occurred while installing the selected updates, <laughs> but they 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 were having some server problems not only with with Mac but also on the iOS side, and they had it fixed by by late afternoon on Thursday. And people were well in a way downloading Big Sur, which is something that I myself did, and uh, I want to save it for discussion in the week ahead segment. But I'm pretty much using it as my main OS for. Mm-hmm the last two or three days. Well, today is Saturday, so two days, and I'm going to compare it a bit to Windows, but I digress. Let's save that yeah, for no, the week. My, my laughter comes as a bit of schadenfreude. Like, this is the misery loves company thing. Right? You know, as a, as a Windows user, we get these issues, and especially as an insider, these uh, update issues, and uh, it's just it's humbling to see uh, <laughs> Apple users kind of fumble through this a little bit, too. Uh, and again, it all goes back to uh, software science and how precise and how difficult it is and how I think we take for granted uh, both, you know, everybody who works in engineers software to be able to push out over the air an update that goes out to many devices and thousands of configurations and after the update runs like it relatively did beforehand. It's, it's almost magic the way these guys do that. And I think, again, with Apple kind of going through these, you know, uh, teething pains as far as the Big Sur update. Uh, it just goes to show you that, you know, it's even when they say it just works, sometimes it just doesn't. <laughs> uh, and Microsoft also had a support article explaining that how Office and the Microsoft 365 apps would work fine on the M1 Silicon Max. Uh, I just wanted to bring that up, even though it's not really directly re- related to Big, to Big Sur. Well, it kind of is. Because I think with Big Sur, it enables this this operating system all of the features uh, that were mentioned in the M1 announcement. So uh, once you have this, uh, or any I guess any Mac that has the M1 will now have this oper- This will be the, the benchmark operating system to enable all of that. And that basically what ends up happens with M1 chips. I believe they've already said that uh, stuff like Parallels isn't going to work because of the way the virtualization is working for the M1 and so this is, you know, if you're moving up to Big Sur uh, and you're thinking about potentially, you know, you like the way it works and you want to try it on the new chipset, be aware that uh, if you need to run Windows, uh, you will have issues, at least yeah. for right now. And the same Segway. thing for Windows. Perfect segue. Segue. Into our Windows 10 news recap, which uh, time to get out the old Windows Insider hat again <laughs> and, and put it on for the... For the segment here. Yeah, he's getting he's getting all for those of you who are listening, he's getting in the mood. We had like insider mu- mood music, we put that on. So first off, uh Windows 10 version 1903, also known as the May 2020 update. It's going to reach end of support next month on December 8th. So Microsoft put out put out notice that if you're still running Windows 10 version 1903. It's time to upgrade now and install the November 2019 update so you can continue receiving your security and monthly updates and not put your PC at risk for viruses and other issues. 
Yeah, and then following that, we have the Microsoft Microsoft Edge Insider installers for Windows 10X uh, emulator, uh, and HoloLens 2 are now available. Uh, Microsoft has quietly made its Edge Insider channels available on two di- two additional platforms, which is HoloLens 2 and Windows 10X uh, emulator. Uh, again, we still haven't seen any actual Windows 10X stuff, but you know, for those of us who download the emulator back in the day, you can uh, get a new taste for the uh, Edge browser. Uh, installers for the Edge Beta. Uh, installers are for Edge Beta, Dev, and Canary channels. Uh, and they're available now for, uh, if you go to the Microsoft Edge Insider page to uh, get the update. You can manually do that. This is proof that Windows 10X is not a is not a pipe dream. It's still alive. <laughs> I think the, the software bits are out in the world. I don't know if anybody's actively going in and saying, hey, we're going to update this. I will believe it when I see it. And speaking of Windows 10, we ha- did have another dev channel update this week. And once again, it's still a small update, nothing big coming along with it. It, it just tweaks some minor changes for Win32 app tiles in the start menu and the usual bug fixes. So nothing big coming out of the dev channel just yet. Yeah, and again, we don't. I don't think we expect to see anything just yet. I think uh, it was wishful thinking on Zach Zach Bowden from Windows Central's part about sometime in mid-2021, uh, seeing some new stuff. Uh, last up, we have uh, the announcement of uh, Windows Holographic uh, version uh, 20H2. Uh, it's now available for, uh, through the Windows Update. Uh, this release brings new features to the HoloLens, uh, HoloLens 2 and the original HoloLens headset for those of people who still have those. Um, I think we did a post uh, a couple of weeks ago about uh, actual dev kits going out to anybody who's interested and they have a finance program for it. Um, previous to this, dev kits were only going out to specific industries. Uh, you, you had to be uh, you know, a company of a certain size. You had to be a company in a certain industry as far as medical or research or university properties. But now if you have, I think it's $3,000 to, to tote, or if you want to pay, I think it ended up being like 40 bucks a month or something like that. You can grab yourself one of these uh, HoloLens 2 dev kits. And there, like Kareem said, there are a couple of other features too. Uh, in addition to the to the eye, eye tracking and auto eye positioning update, there's also a certificate manager in the settings now for HoloLens 2 and some improved kiosk mode functionality. Uh, and to go in specifically into the auto eye position support thing, HoloLens 2 will now actively compute eye positions without you going through the eye tracking calibration, which is good because obviously it's a holographic headset, so everything you do pretty much depends on your eye and your eye movements. Yeah, yeah, the, the training uh, modules that were put into this Early on, they were useful. Um, I think having it auto-calibrate is even better for people to just kind of jump in and get used to their uh, augmented reality environments. It's just good. And I think this, again, leads to the consumerization that we're seeing as far as the development for HoloLens is going. Again, um, for people who had more time that were tweaking it specifically for research uh, purposes and things like that, um, they needed the, the granular uh, mechanisms for eye tracking. Um, for people who are just, again, developing stuff for, uh, as we said, kiosk, if you're just doing this as a, a demo for, uh, you know, maybe the latest game or how to use it in, in uh, movie production, stuff like that, this auto-tracking leads to that. Or and there, 
just there like, was a whole bunch of other stuff too, which uh, if we go into in my dragason for another hour, or so we'll have the <laughs> link. We'll have the links and the screenshots showing some of the other features coming to Windows Holographic version twenty H two. Yeah, it's still it's it's still a thing, uh, even despite it not being part of what I would assume would be an easy tangential release uh, with the Xbox Series X. Microsoft is still pushing forward with augmented reality. It's found its niche in uh, enterprise and, and, and education and things like that. But hopefully, with you know now that Magic Leap has kind of fallen in on itself, uh, we'll get some entertainment stuff from the likes of Google and, and Microsoft uh, on this front and whatever magical device Apple has stored somewhere. Have you ever tried a HoloLens? I did. I tried one. Uh, I'm here in Florida, and we had a Microsoft store. Uh, that I would go to. I'd probably go once a week just to play with stuff, and it is amazing. Like it's, I, it's wild. I, I I want to to be able to get one of those, you know, for seven hundred dollars if I could. Uh, <laughs> I think it'd be it's amazing. And the small the the longer this development goes on, the smaller these components get. I think the more likely I am to use it uh, on, on a normal basis. There was just so many cool things to do with it. Exactly. You uh, we soon we won't even need to be on our laptops. You just put the HoloLens on and then you could stare anywhere you want. Yes. The whole the whole this world is... will be your office. I don't know if I tweeted this, but if not, I'm gonna have to do this tomorrow. And I'm gonna have to tell them like, you know, of all of the bad things that have happened in this pandemic, there was marketing for the HoloLens for people who needed to work at home and didn't have the space for it. Like that is your bread and butter right there. It's like, hey, do you need a home office? Don't got room for a desk? Put your headset on. Get your work done. <laughs> the whole world will be your office. Yeah, exactly. It's amazing. But, you know, they missed the boat on that, as as did most people. They we're all too concerned with actual problems. So I don't regret on that. I tried the HoloLens, too, when Microsoft had a press event in New York City a couple, couple I think, a year and a half ago yeah. when they initially wanted a press to try it out. And it's a pretty mind-blowing experience to put it on and then like move your eyes and then you're not even doing anything and it's act it knows where you want to look and it knows where what you're looking at it's so well, it's just like so amazing the stuff that microsoft could do with this ad set i forget who they parted with but remember that universal's pin thing that technology that would basically like leave augmented reality um images and, and projections in space cemented so I that was, yeah, I forget who they, Microsoft partnered with somebody and they were using universal pins. So basically you could, you know, put on your headset and no matter where you looked at, these pins would stay in place. So, you know, with the augmented reality thing on, you could see it. And you know, obviously when you turn your head, it would disappear and you turn your head back and it reappear. That's like the, the big magic of, of augmented reality is that these things that are digital projections feel like they're cemented in reality somewhat, uh, especially when they have weight to them and have uh, resonance and agency. So again, as long as they continue to perfect that, I, I look forward to AR. Not so much VR, but AR. Speaking of looking forward, there's a lot to look forward. <laughs> there's a lot to look forward uh, the week ahead at on Microsoft. We do have our writer, Loren. He's planning to review Xbox Series S, so keep an eye out for that. Hopefully, we have him on the show next week, too, to talk about his experience with, with both consoles. And, yeah. Yeah, uh, hopefully I can finish being lazy and finally get up this Surface Laptop uh, Go uh, review. Um, I started 
trying to do the comparison, I feel like I really need to kind of break up what I was going to do with this originally. Uh, I would do a, a full, legit review of it, and then I will do the comparison because trying to combine the two is becoming too long, and it you know started meandering. So, uh, look forward to seeing my review of the laptop go and how it's worked out for me during this pandemic. Um, you know, it's pretty well. Um, and then, um, what else do we have? My Big Sur review. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's Big Sur. Oh, and I, yeah, I think you'd also tease something about um, uh, your birthday gift and how that works oh, yeah. as, a, as a Microsoft uh, user. Again, so going back to, you know, we do talk about Microsoft here, but Apple exists and there are people who use both Apple devices with Microsoft stuff. So yeah, going back, going back to that, um, this week, uh, look for my review of Mac OS Big Sur. Not really so much of a review as it is a comparison between the two uh, the two world's most popular operating systems. So if you haven't, if you don't have a Mac or have a MacBook or ever tried Mac OS, uh, you can read my piece and see the differences between the two not just in terms of design, but also in terms of usability and, and apps and core experiences and, and that kind of thing. And as Kareem hinted, I did get the iPhone 12 uh, Pro Max here. So going to do a review of that as well and talk about what is it like using it and comparing it a bit to the Surface Duo. I mean, not you can't compare apples to oranges, pun intended, but <laughs> comparing uh, comparing the two and what does the same money get you? And how's it? Can you use such a Apple product as a Microsoft phone? You you get the drift. Yeah, I mean, with all the new things that were enabled in um, iOS fourteen, I think it was or fourteen point two, uh, as far as being able to change default things like that, you're getting closer and closer to making this the Windows Phone that Satya Nadella kind of teased back in the day. His his iPhone was his you know pro windows phone or whatever so uh it's cool it's cool that all the things are coming together for all of us in tech who would be super excited about just having new stuff we just hope that your phone eventually gets working with with uh iphones because right now it's only working with androids i dream of the day where an iphone could work properly with your phone in windows 10 yeah, that would be ideal, but we'll see. And see, maybe with this ARM architecture, we'll start to see more uh, app crossover stuff uh, that wasn't that hadn't been enabled before. So I think that pretty much does it to end our podcast this week. Unless you have any other things to add? No, no. That that's I think that's enough for everyone to kind of digest and, and kind of sit on and and look forward to for next week. Any final thoughts, comments to add in? Yeah, uh, I want everyone to stay safe, wear a mask, and uh, again, it's hard. It seems to be getting harder and harder for us to enjoy just the smaller things as this overarching kind of environment we're all living in. So, if you can, please enjoy all small things. Uh, if you bought a new console, enjoy that. Don't compare it to the other console. <laughs> if you bought an iPhone, don't compare it to something else. Just enjoy what you have. All right, everyone. Thanks for tuning in this week. Yeah, thank you for, for listening to us ramble. We'll, we enjoy it every week, and we're happy to see the comments. You could find us on Twitter. I am at AbackJern, and you are? I'm at Minehead1. Again, Minehead Original. Give me the handle. I need it.
And be sure to follow us on Twitter at on Microsoft and email us your questions and your comments to podcast at onmicrosoft.com. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, and see you again next week. Same place, same time.